You can now get two free audiobook downloads and a 30-day free trial at audible.bogosity.tv. Your choice from the world's largest selection of over 180,000 digital audiobooks and spoken word content for your iOS or Android device, Kindle, or MP3 player. Go to audible.bogosity.tv now. Welcome to the Bogosity Podcast for the week of November 19th, 2017. The podcast that looks at all the happy creatures dancing on the lawn. This is your host, Shane Killian. There's no podcast next week because it's Thanksgiving here in America, so I'll be spending it with my family. We'll be back in two weeks. And we'll have probably two more podcasts after that, and that'll be it until we do the 2017 wrap-up, so everyone be thinking about who Idiot of the Year should be. Okay, let's aerate the news of the bogus. First of all, I just want to say how much I didn't want to prepare this story for the podcast. At first I felt outraged doing these cops behaving badly stories, then it was all ho-hum, yet another one. Now it's just gotten depressing. But let's get this out of the way because there's a lot to be depressed about. An investigation by the Chicago Tribune and ProPublica Illinois revealed that despite loads of evidence against many Chicago police officers, most of them aren't punished because, simply, the records hadn't been kept. One story they discovered was that of William Levine, who pulled a gun on Walter Whitehead and his 16-year-old son, and said over his police radio that they tried to kill him, which was an outright lie. What really happened was that they had merged ahead of him in traffic, and he had already had his gun out as he overtook them and ordered them to pull over. Levine wasn't on duty or in uniform at the time, and so they thought they were being carjacked. So Brandon, the son, called 911, and Levine yelled, Off the expletive phone! That was 11 years ago. But although police officials determined that Levine was in the wrong, he was never punished. When this story broke, they tried suspending him for 60 days, but the police union stepped in and forced them to reduce it to just five days. Oh, and Levine had been promoted to detective in the interim. They found similar stories for at least 14 other officers who had never been punished and found out that there were likely more. But the problem is there's no system in place to track these cases, and many of them fall through the cracks or even get lost entirely. There were also times when it was determined that an officer should be punished, but it was never put into the system, and so the punishment was never implemented. I really don't know what else there is to say about this. Say, if you're tired of the promos in this podcast, well, the patrons got it early and with no ads or promos. Just go to patreon.bogosity.tv and donate at any level. We have a disturbingly similar story from the UK regarding the Julian Assange saga that we've been following. He's still cooling his heels at the Ecuadorian embassy over clearly bogus charges from Sweden, even though those charges were dropped months ago. Well, now it appears that the Crown Prosecution Service admitted to destroying relevant emails to and from Swedish officials regarding this case. It turns out that it was CPS that had encouraged Swedish prosecutors not to visit the UK to interview Assange which he said he was perfectly willing to do, a single interview at the time could have prevented this year's-long fiasco. Listen to the duplicity of CPS. When asked by The Guardian, they denied there were any legal implications of the Assange case. Then they turned right around and said, quote, We have no way of knowing the content of email accounts once they've been deleted. Oh, you don't know, but you somehow know they weren't relevant. 
Pretty much all of their excuses have been destroyed. The only reason he's there is because of leaks that were true and embarrassed the U.S. government and its allies. Attorney General Jeff Sessions has even said that Assange is a priority, which, if nothing else, kind of takes the air out of the Trump-Assange-Russia conspiracy crap. All of this came out when Italian journalist Stefiano Marizzi brought a Freedom of Information case against CPS to find out more about why Assange is considered a fugitive from justice, and she is not happy about this turn of events. Quote, It is incredible to me these records about an ongoing and high-profile case have been destroyed. I think they have something to hide. Of course, it might not be too late. She could try asking the NSA for a copy. She wants to know how much influence the U.S. and the U.K. had over Sweden during this whole fiasco, given that two years ago she unearthed an email from the CPS extradition unit which said, quote, My earlier advice remains that, in my view, it would not be prudent for the Swedish authorities to try to interview the defendant in the U.K. By the way, her hearing should have been on the 13th, but I can't find any information about it. Any news search is just liberal screeching about how Assange hated Hillary and helped fix the election. But I did find a report that said, out of over 780 pages disclosed by the CPS thus far, there isn't a single unredacted place where they so much as mention Assange's fear of extradition to the U.S. or the fact that this was the reason he was granted asylum by Ecuador. Quote, Something went wrong in this case. I don't know what. CPS legal manager Mohamed Chima said that the emails had been, quote, deleted when the lawyer in question retired and cannot be recovered. Something a CPS spokesperson said was, quote, standard procedure. Well, isn't that special? So much for public records. They can just delete them when you retire. Chima also said that disclosing further information would endanger diplomatic relationships and have a chilling effect on extradition procedures with certain unnamed countries. Gee, I wonder what he could be talking about. Assange's lawyer Jennifer Robinson said, quote, Serious questions must be asked about the role of the CPS. Had the Swedes interviewed Assange back in 2010, one wonders whether this case would have continued for such a long time. We had been offering the Swedish prosecutors Assange's testimony since October 2010. We didn't know at the time that the CPS was advising them not to take up the offer. The CPS spokesperson also said that it was okay that the emails were deleted because the extradition proceedings had already been concluded and the case closed. Then why are you still saying you'll arrest Assange if he leaves the embassy? Do you have children or nieces or nephews? Are you homeschooling or just want to counter some of the socialist indoctrination most children get in school? If so, go to bogosity.tv slash Tuttletwins and you'll be taken to a website where you can get some great books for elementary age children. The Tuttle Twins books are books about liberty and free market economics that include children's versions of Bastiat's The Law, Leonard Reed's I Pencil, and Hayek's The Road to Serfdom, as well as books about the Federal Reserve and how regulations protect business cronies. They'll learn about the harm caused by eminent domain, or regulations passed in the name of safety, and fundamental concepts of liberty. And as you can see from the sample pages on the website, they're all easy to read and nicely illustrated. They're just $9.99 a piece, or get a special discount as well as free bonuses when you purchase all five. You can even buy in bulk to donate to schools and local libraries. So get the Tuttle Twins books at bogosity.tv slash Tuttle Twins.
Another update on another crazy story. Remember the monkey selfie we've talked about? A monkey took a selfie with a camera belonging to David Slater. He claimed copyright over it, as did, bewilderingly, PETA. The thing is, copyrights are only available on pictures taken by human beings. A picture taken by a monkey does not get copyright protection, and as we covered, that was even mentioned by the U.S. Copyright Office as a specific example of what isn't covered. So anyway, now Slater says that he's going to sue, get this, Wikipedia. So check this out. The courts have said that only humans get copyrights, and they used a picture taken by a monkey as an example of something that can't be copyrighted. The court specifically in this case said that this particular picture has no copyright protection, which means that Wikipedia is perfectly within their rights to put it up. And yet, he's still trying to sue over it. But that's not the real target of my ire here. It's This American Life, the NPR series that Mike Masnick in this TechDirt article has much better things to say about it than I do. They've always impressed me as flakes who couldn't research how to pour water out of a boot when the instructions are printed on the heel. But in this case, even Masnick says they're being awful. There wasn't anything resembling even basic journalistic practice going on, such as actually seeking comment from Wikipedia or even checking with a copyright lawyer. They reported, quote, In other words, anyone could use it without David's permission for free. To David, that was just stealing. He makes a living from selling his pictures, so it was really helpful to have one that was such a hit. But now, anyone could download it from Wikipedia and hang it on their wall or print it in their publication. Wikipedia's opinion is that information on the Internet should be free. Except that it wasn't Wikipedia that declared the picture was public domain. It was the courts. This has already been decided. And Wikipedia's opinion is that information should be free? As the Wikipedians themselves would say, citation needed. No, they're just saying that public domain information is free because it is. Wikipedia isn't saying anything that the Copyright Office isn't. In fact, Wikipedia makes sure that when people upload pictures, they have the appropriate copyright license to do it. Either public domain, creative commons, or whatever. So, boo Slater, and boo this American life. If you're on the Wi-Fi in a coffee shop or hotel, anyone on that network can get your traffic. Do you really trust all of those strangers? For that matter, do you really trust your ISP? A VPN can protect you from prying eyes, disguise your location, and even foil government censors. It's essential in this day and age. So go to vpn.bogosity.tv and you'll be taken to BoxPN. Starting at just $2.99 a month, you can get unlimited high-speed connections to VPN servers all over the world. And they don't log connections, so your privacy is assured. Traveling abroad, just VPN home, and don't worry about what those other governments are doing. Back at home, stop your ISP from traffic shaping and messing with the quality internet access you're paying good money for. You can connect from multiple machines at once, including your smartphone or tablet, and it supports all the secure standards, including OpenVPN and SSTP. Bypass sensors and surveillance with your own secure VPN connection. Go to vpn.pagosity.tv. And now it's time to reanimate this week's biggest bogan emitter. 
And in case you were wondering how This American Life avoided it, check out what USA Today did when they were trying to school people on guns, specifically the one used at the Texas church shooting, what they call an AR-15 style rifle. In fairness, they did go on to identify it as a Ruger AR-556, like we mentioned last week, and just to close the loop on several comments we got in response to that, the AR-15 is made by Colt. AR-15s can only be made by Colt, in fact, because it's a trademark of Colt's manufacturing. Another gun company could make an identical weapon, they just couldn't call it an AR-15. Anyway, we did point out significant differences between the AR-15 and the AR-556, including caliber and muzzle velocity. Anyway, they went on to list a bunch of aftermarket options, which went to ridiculous levels, culminating in the one that made it an internet meme, the Chainsaw Bayonet. You know, now that I think about it, Chainsaw Bayonet would be a great name for a hardcore punk band. They had to follow it up with, quote, to clarify, the video shows both the shooter's modifications as well as other possible modifications. The shooter did not use a chainsaw bayonet. So, of course, it got memed left, right, and center. Well, not so much left. But people were taking pictures of pizza cutters and other weird things they had attached to a rifle barrel, and others were doing graphics where they added things like a lightsaber, Harry Potter's wand, the Doctor's sonic screwdriver, Audrey 2, a piranha plant from Super Mario Brothers, a velociraptor, that toaster pastry bit into the shape of a gun, and, of course, the Illudium Q36 explosive space modulator. Although they misspelled it. One even had an infinite regression of chainsaws attached to rifles attached to chainsaws. So yes, this was yet another example of leftist news media not knowing anything about guns in a case where they actually tried and still failed miserably. So cartoonist Eric Alley gleefully twisted the knife with a cartoon depicting an elephant and a donkey in front of a diagram of a mislabeled AR-15, and the elephant says, You can't write laws about stuff you know nothing about. And the donkey says, Why not? We did it with health care. So all of that makes USA Today this week's biggest bogan emitter. We live in a world where light bulbs connect to the Internet, and recent attacks on them prove that your online security is under threat like never before. Not only your websites, but the Internet-enabled devices you buy. And the biggest problem is weak passwords. That's why you need LastPass. LastPass allows you to randomly generate strong, unique passwords on the web and on your Internet-enabled devices, all protected by one master password. LastPass sets up in minutes and gives you secure automatic logins throughout the web, synchronizing across all your browsers, all your computers, and even your mobile devices, at home, at work, or on the road. It even securely stores sensitive form data, including credit card numbers, backup sensitive documents, software licenses, Wi-Fi logins, and more. And with LastPass Premium, you can get these benefits on other applications, manage passwords for your entire family, and also get priority customer support. Sign up at password.bogosity.tv for a free month of LastPass Premium. Log in securely everywhere using the last password you'll ever have to remember. Go to password.bogosity.tv and get LastPass now. Most of you probably need cheering up right now, so it's a good thing that we've got another winner of the Silver Clue On Award. 
Taking the third silver clue on of 2017 is Cards Against Humanity, who have come up with an interesting way of opposing Trump's expensive but useless border wall with Mexico. The makers of the game held a promotion where users could send in $15 in exchange for several surprises, two of which were a promise to fight the wall and their plan. Literally, it's the plan for a plot of land on the border which they bought and also retained a law firm specializing in eminent domain issues. So if Trump tries to build a wall there, they can oppose him in court for probably years. The beautiful thing about this is how tongue-in-cheek it is. Like, one of the items in their fact is, quote, You said you weren't going to do one of these complicated holiday promotions again. And the answer is, quote, We're liars, just like the president. Here's another one. Question. I don't live in the U.S. or Canada. Can I still sign up? Answer. No. This is Cards Against Humanity Saves America, not Cards Against Humanity Saves the Dumb Country You Live In. Question. I'd like to cancel my order. Answer. We'd like to cancel the 2016 election, but neither of us is going to get what we want. It's that combination of being serious and effective, while also being able to laugh at yourself, that really makes for prime silver clue-on material. So enjoy your shiny new silver clue-on Cards Against Humanity. Maybe you'll add one as a card. If you're going to shop online, use our special links to shop at Amazon. Clear your cookies and go to Amazon.Pagosity.tv, and you won't pay a penny more for your purchase. If you haven't used the mobile app in the last 12 months, or even at all, go to Get5.Pagosity.tv on your phone or tablet and get $5 off your order of $10 or more. Go to Prime.Pagosity.tv for a free 30-day trial of Amazon Prime and enjoy thousands of movies and TV episodes, borrow Kindle books, and get unlimited two-day shipping for free. And speaking of Kindle, go to Kindle.Pagosity.tv for a 30-day free trial to Kindle Unlimited, read over 1 million books, and listen to thousands of audiobooks on any device. You can go to music.pagosity.tv and get a free 30-day trial of Amazon Music Unlimited with access to Amazon's entire library of 10 million songs, ad-free and with unlimited skips, and even download to listen offline. All great ways to help this podcast simply by shopping at Amazon. And now let's offer free shipping on this week's and if you're wondering who could possibly be dumber than USA Today, let me tell you what some antivirus writers have been doing, and it's really as much about how many of them have been doing it as how inherently dumb it is. I am going to need to give you some techie background, though, so bear with me. One of the things that antivirus software looks for is if an application is signed. If it is, it checks to see if it's been signed by a trusted signer such as Microsoft, and it can allow the app on that basis without having to specifically check it to see if it's malware. You need two things for this, a fingerprint and a signature. A fingerprint, also known as a hash, is a short piece of data identifying the app. You run the app's binary through an algorithm and it spits out a number. Nowadays, generally a 256-bit number using SHA-256 as a hashing algorithm. But if you alter the app by even a single bit, then it completely changes the resulting hash. This lets the antivirus software know if it's been tampered with, like with a virus attaching itself to it, and it also prevents malware writers from forging a signature. 
The other thing is the signature itself, and this is similar to how we're protected on websites that use HTTPS. The company gets a certificate from a trusted certificate authority and uses it as a key to sign the fingerprint. The signature also attaches a timestamp from the CA saying when the app was signed. So when Microsoft releases a new version of Edge, they take a fingerprint of that version of Edge and sign it with their certificate that they got from the CA. That way you know that you're actually getting the official new version of Edge that was actually released by Microsoft and not a substitute by a hacker. This is supposed to protect us from malware, but a team of researchers from the University of Maryland have shown that signed malware is actually more prevalent than previously thought, and antivirus programs aren't doing what they're supposed to do to catch it. What they're doing, apparently, is checking the signature to make sure it's valid, but that only checks that the fingerprint was signed. They're supposed to hash the app itself and check if the hash that they got matches the fingerprint. That's how they know whether or not it's been tampered with, or even if it was the original app that was signed at all. But that's the part they've been neglecting to do, which means you could grab any signature from any file and just stick it on your malware, and it would pass through the AVs as okay. So they downloaded five random unsigned ransomware samples that all of the AVs knew about, took two expired certificates that had previously been used to sign both legitimate software and in the wild malware and use them to sign these ransomware samples. And the AV software passed them all through, failing to detect that they were known malware. They didn't even check the date. And they found that this was the case with AV software from Inprotect, Tencent, Palo Alto, Komodo, Trend Micro, Microsoft, Symantec, ClamAV, Avira, Malwarebytes, Sophos, Zone Alarm, and Kaspersky, along with many others. And I'm sitting here wondering who's left. Were there any that actually passed this test? The researchers wrote, quote, we believe that this failure is due to the fact that AVs take digital signatures into account when they filter and prioritize the list of files to scan in order to reduce the overhead imposed on the user's host. However, the incorrect implementation of Authenticode signature checks in many AVs gives malware authors the opportunity to evade detection with a simple and inexpensive method. They also found two other weaknesses. One is when the private signing keys are mismanaged, and please keep things like this in mind when some politicians say they need backdoors into our encryption. And the other is that compromised certificates are for sale to anyone on the dark web. Most of them are unaware that their certs have been compromised, and even when they are and they revoke the cert, a hacker could just buy another one off the dark web. So yeah, they've got a lot of work they need to do. There are still going to be issues, but these are simple things they should have been doing from the beginning because they're just inherent to how these signatures are supposed to work. And the fact that pretty much all of them fail to do this properly makes these antivirus makers this week's Idiot Well, that wraps up this. For someone who knows how to add and subtract and multiply and divide lots of numbers to get one other number, you're not so good at putting two and two together, are you? Edition of the Bogosity Podcast. Come join the discussion at forum.bogosity.tv and feel free to send a question, statement, news article, or rant in text or audio to podcast at bogosity.tv. 
This podcast depends on you to keep going, so please donate using the links on the website or the QR codes in the thumbnail, or become a patron at patreon.bogosity.tv and get the podcast and YouTube videos early and without ads or promos. Thank you for listening. Remember, no podcast next week, so we'll see you in two weeks. Until then, here's a quote from L. Neal Smith. Never forget, even for an instant, that the one and only reason anybody has for taking your gun away is to make you weaker than he is, so that he can do something to you that you wouldn't let him do to you if you were equipped to prevent it. This goes for burglars, muggers, and rapists, and even more so for policemen, bureaucrats, and politicians. The Bogosity Podcast is licensed under Creative Commons Attribution on Commercial and the Derivatives 4.0 International License. Bogosity. Christmas time is coming, and the most classic of Christmas stories is A Christmas Carol. But how much do you know about the original Charles Dickens novella? Have you dismissed it as a children's book with one-dimensional characters amounting to nothing but platitudes and cliches? Maybe your appreciation of the book was even muted by those dry, boring, annotated books they made you read in school. My book, the sarcastically annotated A Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens, uses both facts and humor to present the book in a way you probably haven't seen it before. Giving praise when deserved and beratement when warranted, this book is put in the perspective of its time and shows a dimensional, multi-layered Ebenezer Scrooge from start to finish. Skepticism, history, and even economics are employed to show the book in relation to today in an easily accessible format. Appreciate the Christmas of your youth all over again, Get the sarcastically annotated A Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens, available at Amazon and on PDF as well.